Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, to our final episode of season three of The Theory Club. Emily! <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> here, everybody. The crowd goes wild. I could feel it. I could feel the listeners. They were like, it's time. We've got to pay attention for this one. Emily is back, everybody. Emily, how are you? I'm good. I just made it through week 12 of school. I can definitely say that college is very different in person. It takes a lot of different energy yes. and I am exhausted. <laughs> and that was, well, I mean, there were, there were a lot of things, you know, adjusting to school and other like personal things where I just needed to take off a few episodes, but I am back to conclude this season with a bang. So <laughs> I'm so excited. Truly, I've been like, because for the listeners, I've also been wondering how Emily is doing. So I'm just thankful that, that we get to catch up. A lot of our friendship does take place on this podcast. Not quite all of it, but like, I was also curious if you're wondering. So, um, you know, I'm sure the listeners have grown weary of hearing my voice. I open every episode. They're like, oh, just get to the guest. They know that I peek the mic a lot. Listen, listeners, I'm still trying to figure out the editing. If you're listening to this and you know how to edit podcasts, send us an email at the theory club podcast with gmail.com. I will pay you because <laughs> listen. <laughs> <laughs> I say, you know what we should do? This is like um giving an idea, but like April Fool's Day, we should have an episode and like I'll open it and I'll be like, hello, hello, welcome to your next episode of the Theory Club. <laughs> like me doing the opening. Like yes. <laughs> yes, it's already set. Listeners, mark your calendars for first <laughs> because it's going down. It's already wow. Yeah, and we'll switch roles and then you'll be the PhD oh and I'll be an amazing violinist. That would be <laughs> I'll pretend to know. I can actually remember. be good at Shane Curian analysis then. Uh, <laughs> you're probably better than me. Uh, stay tuned, <laughs> listeners, when we <laughs> reveal our GPAs because <laughs> I'm still, I still have a lot. To, literally today, my professor was like, and in Shanker too, next semester, we're going to da da da. And I literally felt myself start to sweat. I was like, I'm already stressed. <laughs> Do you have a second semester? We do. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to complain to Dr. Halsey on Monday when I see him. Why can't we? I mean, we? are you going to complain or are you going to celebrate? That's what I want because. <laughs> oh my gosh. He lent me his uh, Pinkhurst Shankarian analysis book over Thanksgiving break. So I've been reading that. <laughs> Before I go to bed at night. First, instead of, you know, taking a break. Emily is here with her Shakirian analysis book. No, last night I fell asleep with it because I was reading and then, you know, when you're doing homework and you just get tired and I kind of just folded it and like fell asleep with it like this. Oh God. You get to look into how we're spending our, our fall breaks. I am going to spend- I'm sure, time. yeah. Yeah, trying to write my like final term papers. I'm like very, I'm trying to get my bibliographies together on like a Jamila Woods paper and on like a musicology paper about like black scholars in, who, who are non-musicians and their writings about music versus music scholars that write about music who are white and write about black music specifically. I'm going to try and like compare the two. So I'm like trying to gather all these sources and like Terry Teachout and Eileen Southern and like all these, and I have to read like, I don't know, maybe a book a day over this break. 
gonna go for oh, gosh stay tuned i know stay tuned this and i have to edit this again email us <laughs> if you're trying to make you know twenty dollars no i'll pay more than that email us <laughs> we can negotiate oh my um, gosh. but please help us figure out uh audio engineering um but yes, so we are in the home stretch of the semester. We're almost there. This is our last episode uh, for the season, and it's going to be for a while because we're going to be doing, uh, you know, I guess, I mean, we'll talk about it behind the scenes, Emily, but I think the plan right now is to uh, have a little achy breaky, and we're going to take the winter off. So uh, if everything goes according to plan, then we'll be back uh, just as we started our first season this uh past year in 2021 in april we'll be back in april of 2022 with wow. another season again i've provided everything goes to plan we'll keep you all updated and you know we know that that's a long time that's a long i i just heard a listener you know far away in like kansas they gasped they were like oh that's like <laughs> that's like four months away. You're right. It's four months away. What we're going to do is, you know, there, there might be a bonus episode or two over that long hiatus so that, you know, you could just be like held over. Maybe we have a couple guests popping in. Maybe we'll, you know, have a little episode talking about SMT. Maybe we'll have, you know, a little episode talking about our classes and what we're looking forward to taking next semester, all the things. So like, you know, stay tuned. Don't unsubscribe. I know you were hovering over that button. You were like oh they're not gonna be back till april i'm out no listener because you don't know when we're gonna drop a little little bonus for you so make sure uh you're still subscribed and uh hopefully we'll be able to throw something your way but we'll we'll keep you updated about our fourth season of the theory club so today we get to fully indulge as you're listening to this listeners it is black friday which means we can officially fully indulge in the Christmas music of the season. This is the moment. I've been listening to it in my car for the past like four weeks. I mean, (laughs) honestly, me too, though. (laughs) (laughs) Like in my family, the second, like literally the minute that Halloween is over, we're like, haul out the holly. Like we're in, we're full on but the Literally. first it was like november 3rd and my sister sent me a picture of her tree so like we are this like literally the minute that halloween's over we're we're invested in christmas all the way oh <laughs> it's my sad curly brown tree i'm missing the ornament though it broke that's so cute so yeah does your is your family big on on the holiday season yeah, we are. Um, we're actually going to be putting up the, well, we already started putting up the Christmas decorations. The tree is not up yet. That's coming up this weekend. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of decorations. My dad was on the roof, I think, yesterday, starting the lights. <laughs> so, Yes, I have started to decorate my room a little bit. I have some lights hanging up over there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know where we're going to put the tree because now I'm like, I just don't want the dog to mess it up. And now I have to think about a dog. <laughs> so we need to My be mindful. Climb in the tree. You said your cat, what? They would climb in the tree. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. Like we'd walk over there and there's like literally, I don't know how they do it. Like sitting in the tree in the branches. Oh. So. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. our you know our pup is only two so we need to be pretty mindful of like you know he might get into the tree at any moment knock over some ornaments you know so it might go a little messy uh so I'm kind of like do I want to put it in my room is there space in my room like no I want it to be downstairs by the piano and you to walk in and all the lights and a Christmas time <laughs> but now we we had the dog to be concerned about so we'll we might do a trial period with the tree and see how that goes but you know, we're very, I'm very big into Christmas. Uh, my sister and I are planning a little Kwanzaa this year. We've never celebrated Kwanzaa before. So we are looking into that and we're really excited. Um, but I love, I love Christmas music. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and I'm sure I love it partly because of the novelty. And as much as I would love to listen to it all year round, it probably wouldn't be as special if I listened to it all year round. So I anxiously await November 1st every year to begin listening to it in my headphones and then <laughs> after oh. after Thanksgiving the gloves are off you're gonna hear it coming from my room at all hours of the day uh and you're gonna hear me humming it so um yeah there's a lot of like classical holiday music that pops up all the time like in movies and commercials it kind of has become a part of like the vernacular of the Christmas season is to have like these like um orchestral kind of holiday music score is like playing in everyday life so I think of like sleigh ride like the you know you've got those so or like uh carol of the bells how there are so many different like uh renditions of that and some of them are choral some of them are instrumental right so it all it all kind of forms this mishmash of the holiday canon and i just i'm obsessed so um what we're gonna do today listener is we are gonna talk about tchaikovsky's uh the nutcracker suite which we use <laughs> two of the <laughs> movements for our intro and our outro so you've been hearing those uh throughout the theory I, I don't know I picked the most the least Christmassy ones those feel not as Christmassy yeah. but they're still a big you know you still have the listener knows the one the listener knows so that's the uh the dance of the reed pipes right and then the um what's the one at the end uh um yeah yes so um yeah so those are those are both from uh Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker Suite so we're going to talk about uh a couple uh movements from that so the piece is from uh it was written in 1892 and it's originally like a two-act ballet right and when it came out there were like very mixed reviews I was kind of looking up the history of the suite um, which again was like made to be a full-blown uh, ballet. So there was a ton of music and now the suite that we have are like extracted little numbers from it. So obviously it's not the whole like two hour thing. And it came out to like really mixed reviews. Like some people were like, that was really good. And some people were like, ah, it's no Swan Lake. Like some people were like, ah. so it didn't have like a super successful like open, but it experienced this really like, um, this huge revival in like the 1960s and so since then it's you know performed every year it's kind of like akin to like you know Handel's Messiah that like there's always somebody doing the Nutcracker like every Christmas and you can find it in like every state um, in so many countries like it's being performed all the time either just the suite like 
um, with an orchestra or the or the ballet. So it's all over the place. And I mean, again, this, the the pieces that are extracted from the whole um, ballet are really, really synonymous with the Christmas season, especially because there are so many renditions of certain numbers. It's crazy, right? So we also need to just touch on, you know, we won't get too too much into this, but there there's... So the fact that we have like, you know, the Russian dance, the Chinese dance, the Arabian dance. So that's giving, you know, cultural appropriation to me (laughs) Um, as far as being a composer who's like, is it that you're inspired by, you know, Chinese dance? Or is it that you feel like you can dip into these different cultures and kind of take elements of them that you like or, you know, it's it's especially the way if you watch um certain adaptations like recordings of the of the ballet and the way that the characters that show up in those dances are portrayed right so we've had like renditions where during the chinese dance people are in like yellow face and wear makeup that so it gets (laughs) it gets kind of messy from that standpoint so i don't know if you've ever seen the nutcracker i haven't so I just like, oh, I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. When I was younger, um, one of my brother's friends was actually performing in it. Um, and so we, we went like a few years, we would always go on Christmas Eve and like watch her perform. And then we would like go to their house afterwards and like, um, just like have a dinner and stuff together. So from what I remember like I it's so funny like I never knew I was going to go into music like then but I do remember like looking and I could kind of like see the pit and they were kind of like explaining to me what it was and I could still kind of see that in my head but yeah what I mean sometimes when I was little I would get bored during it but there was also even though I was like you know really young kid that just wanted to like run around I was also like very intrigued by it like I I I think I don't know something with the the doll because I loved like playing with dolls then like and just like the really elegant dance like that really did draw me in and so then when I got the opportunity to like um play parts of it like what was it it was uh Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra in my senior year so like two years ago I think that was there's like a like a combination of like all the pieces but like tiny like fragments of them like I'm not kidding when I say like two of like the 45 different like pieces or whatever can be like on one page and like it just kind of went into each other which was cool because we got to play little parts of each one but I also didn't really like what they did to it because they took out like really important parts just to like mash everything into like one short like 20 minute performance if that makes sense oh so like they took some of the scenes but like not all of them and then you pay you played like select scenes yeah well we were going to then COVID happened. Oh, rip. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. We rehearsed it and everything, but yeah. (laughs) Like a knife to the heart. Dang. Oh, because this is, this, listening to the music, it's so fun and it instantly makes me want to play it. Like, it makes me be like, oh, I wish I was a violist again. Like, oh, I should be playing this because it just seems like (laughs) such fun music to like really bring to life and embody. And that's something that I want us to keep in mind as we start listening to it is like, so the fact that it was like composed as dance music, like composed to be a ballet and that there's supposed to be movement, it gives the 
you know, it, it imbues the music with like, with a different purpose, right? To inspire the listener to move in this particular way. So we can talk, I guess, as we listen a bit more about like, what are the specific mechanisms, like the specific aspects of the music, the instrumentation, um, the textures, the articulations that inspire dance that like need to have someone dancing to it, right? Like what makes dance music dance music and not parlor music or sleep music or you know what I mean? Like how music has different functions and different purposes. Uh, and that's like, that comes out of obviously the point of view of the composer, but then also uh, the circumstance of the listener, the time period, all of those things, right? So what makes this music like dance music? What makes it ballet music? What makes it, you know, like all of those things I'm really, really interested in because I was listening to it in the library and I was literally like, I like couldn't stop like <laughs> <laughs> dancing. So it just feels, it feels so um, joyful and so like indicative of the holidays, which again is probably conditioning from commercials more than anything <laughs> but yeah. he did also write it with like a holiday the you know with a holiday plot in mind so it's like also like happening on Christmas Eve so from the beginning it was meant to be Christmas dance music and that's just such a specific niche that I'm like how did he do that right like <laughs> so interesting I love it yes let's get right into it we're gonna start off listening to the march Yeah, going to kind of what you're saying about like what makes it like really dance like, um, I feel like for me is well, I, I vividly remember playing this uh, piece and like the opening with like the violins where we have that swing rhythm. That's just so much fun to play. It's so easy, but it's like so much fun when you get to do it and you can kind of like move when you do it. Um, and then like the pizzicato in the cello kind of gives that like bouncy lightness underneath. I think that's definitely what gives like the dance element. But my favorite part. And I remember playing this not in CYSO, but it was in the Protégé Philharmonic. I think it was my sophomore year of high school. And we were doing this piece and we were actually a really close knit ensemble. Like we were all like um, really close friends. And that always helps so much. Like when you're performing too, and like when there's like really big connections between the parts and when it has that like huge scale that just gets passed around like through the cello and viola and violin, like it was so much fun. And that was like my first time in a really big like orchestra like that too. And so like when we were kind of like really just like honing in on each other and listening, we knew when each part came in and so like hyper-focused and scales feel so powerful. We play them <laughs> really fast and loud in the tune. So that part is just such a big build up that I always had fun playing and listening to.
I'm so glad you said that because that's literally also my favorite part. Like it's like the strings are like working together to have this like harp like texture. And it's so cool. Whenever there's an instrument that's kind of like imitating another instrument, I find those moments so interesting. And that's such a great observation too about like scales and do they feel to our obviously Western ears, like they feel intrinsically powerful like they feel ingrained because we're inundated you know with scales all the time with the pentatonic scale all the time with major and minor scales all the time with modes um so i think just the way that our like that western music theory works and the music that we hear all the time works like scales fits so well into that and are such a big part of that that whenever they do pop up in music like this your ears kind of like perk up and you have to like pay attention so Mm -hmm. I just love it. Yeah. And I just love the fast section. I feel like it would be so much fun to play the like it's it sounds so fun. And instantly you have this kind of vision in your mind of like a ballerina moving her feet really fast or like there being a bunch of flurry on stage. Right. And so it just feels very like evocative of a piece like you have things going on in your mind. And it, I feel like it sets up the picture so perfectly. Like if once you hear like this piece plus like, oh, it's a ballet, even without ever seeing any images to go along with that, you can kind of picture what's going on in your mind. So it works very much like a movie score, I think. So it's just, oh, it's so fascinating. Yeah, it's a great piece to like have people start to, like have musicians start to learn how to visualize or like come up with a story. Because even if you don't know the story, you could probably come up with a, you know, close idea as to what it is, which is really cool. Totally. I love it. Just like the fanfare at the beginning, like it feels very like official or like something's happening. Like you have to pay attention right from the beginning. So it's just, it's a, yeah, it's a really like emotionally grounded, resonant piece that like speaks very loud and yeah, really brings pictures to your mind. So it's like, it's so good. So next, let us check out the dance of the sugar plum fairy. controversial statement. I actually really don't like this piece. <laughs> Whoa! Okay. I think it's an interesting piece of music, but it's just, it's creepy to me. Like, it's a little too mysterious and creepy to the point where I'm so on edge, I can't necessarily enjoy it. I like the bass clarinet. I think it's kind of cool. The da -da 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 -dum, like, all the way down. Like, that's kind of cool. But then, like, all the creepy, like, chime and, like, off the strings and, like, the violin's like sudden accents and the violas come in very strangely in this weird part. And it's just like, I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> and it this always a hot take listeners. <laughs> There's a listener in California that just fell over. She was like, <laughs> I, I can't believe what I'm hearing. I'm wow. You don't. Okay. You would, this is interesting that you would find it unsettling. Because I, I mean, I really like this piece. Not, I, I, I can see what you're 
saying maybe about the piece not being super like jolly or as in in comparison to like the march like as joyful right because it has that fanfare versus the starting out you know with the pizzicato strings and you're like oh what's happening <laughs> <laughs> well the dance part for this is really beautiful but like the music like it's just i don't know <laughs> that's crazy okay so so what about the bells like do you like the the celeste like no <laughs> that's what makes oh it creepy God. no i like literally the only part i like is the bass clarinet part when it kind of comes in with that little like descent thing yeah the, but like, da, 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 da. yeah that is great honestly my favorite part i think about this piece is the use of the woodwinds i think all of the reed instruments are like so beautiful and the ways that they're like moving in this piece but this is so fascinating because i feel like the bells are like in the ways in in like the holiday episode or the halloween episode sorry that we talked about the organ being like so synonymous with Halloween, the bells are like so synonymous with Christmas that anytime I hear bells, I'm like, ee, it's Christmas. I'm just like happy to hear right. them. Well, I mean, I would, but not in this piece. <laughs> There's something different about them in this piece that just gives a very creepy and like you said, is it unsettling. Because, like, is it because it's in like a minor mode? Do you think like, or do you think it's like the pizzicato strings that do that? I'm so It's curious. probably the combination. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's probably a combination of the articulation and with the texture and then the minor mode. It has to be some weird combination that's like not working in my brain. I don't know what Tchaikovsky was thinking. That is part. so <laughs> interesting. Cause like, I love the woodwinds. I feel like they're so like delicate and beautiful. It reminds me of like ice skating. Like it's so beautiful, and then like <laughs> I love the part where where the Celeste is do, like doing the uh the you know it's like again mimicking this kind of like harp like gesture. I just think it's so beautiful. Wow, that's crazy. I do not hear it that way. Like to me, it's so uncomfortable. Listeners, we're gonna put a poll on Instagram. We're gonna put a poll and you've gotta you've gotta choose a side. You've gotta pick. <laughs> I would love to hear if anyone else feels that way because I've never heard anyone else say that. They're usually just like, oh, this piece is so interesting, or whatever. I never hear anyone say that it like makes them feel unsettled. Mm-hmm. That's happening. There's gonna be a poll. Mm-hmm interesting okay <laughs> listeners look out for the poll on instagram because now i need to know because yeah i've never heard this i've always just it fills me with like so much wonder because anytime i hear bells i'm like yes it's christmas and i'm just so happy to hear them and just so happy to know that my favorite season is back um that i don't ever really think about the context in which they're laid in so i'm really glad that you said that because i'm like oh you know it is in a minor mode and you know the the strings really do come in all quiet and pizzicato and you're like oh like (laughs) what is going on you know and like you're thinking about you know the rat king and all of the rats like coming in to like (laughs) steal clara so yeah that that does make sense now that you're thinking not me changing my mind no i'm standing (laughs) we're gonna (laughs) know we're gonna do the poll listeners look out for it so now let's get into uh, the final piece that we're going to talk about, which is the Russian dance. Mm-hmm. 
I'm tired from listening. <laughs> oh, that violin part. No, I actually, I, I lied. I played this three times, this one, at three different places. Okay. Persian Philharmonic, CYSO, and my high school orchestra. And all times it was insane. So because <laughs> like, you know, playing it, I love when we have the melody. It is a little bit of an awkward melody on the violin, but I more love it when the cello has it. That part is just so cool. And then with the violins, like kind of doing the eighth notes in the background. Mm -hmm. oh, there's something about the cello. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so fun. I mean, I think the, I think the, to me, the notable thing is not necessarily the melody, but the rhythm. It's just such a fun rhythm. Right. And then the percussion comes in and you're like, it literally, again, I was sitting here dancing. You're just instantly like, it really brings to mind like horses, sleigh ride, right? You're expecting like the whip sound and just be like, and there's like horses. I don't know. So again, a very like evocative part of the suite to me. I just, I think it's so much fun and such a fun rhythm to like, oh, it just, it really inspires you to move and to get into it. And I bet the experience of playing it like does really like require that sort of kind of movement, like, like the, the, the flexibility um, to be able to like move with the rhythm like that as a group. And like you pointed out, that can be easier when you're working with collaborators that you know really well and you're all kind of like in tune with each other um so I just think it's so much fun and then there's the accelerando at the end and you're like it's, it's so about, exciting yeah the accelerando they took it really quickly I mean in the three places I played it we all kind of did the accelerando differently some faster than others but um definitely the faster the more powerful it feels and I get that visual that exact visual in my mind of like a horse galloping just like faster and faster and faster yeah. I mean, it, it's so quick, but there's like, it feels like after listening to just like that, what, like minute and a half or so, like, it feels like I just listened to like an entire Tchaikovsky symphony. Like it gives me the right? same feeling at the very end. There's something about Tchaikovsky. Like at the very end, it's like, it gives you the same thing, which is so interesting. There we go. I mean, the listeners know we love him on the show. Like he's welcome anytime. Tchaikovsky and Shostakovich are always there. There we go. There we go. We will keep them. And Hugo Wolf. We're gonna keep Wolf in there too. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay. So now that we've listened to all of them, we've chatted okay. a bit about them. I know Emily doesn't know about what's about to happen because you know that I wasn't about to come up and, and just play these and have nothing extra. The listeners already know because, you know, that again, there are so many like modern renditions, like it's been redone and redone and redone so many different ways that I think are fascinating. So we're just going to listen to a couple of them. We're going to take a little bit of a musical journey. We're going to go mid 20th century. We're going to go early 2000s. We're going to listen to uh, what, what a couple people have done. So a few that I want to listen to uh, are going to be by Duke Ellington and Billy Strayhorn. So they did like an updated the Nutcracker Suite, like a whole album, just like redoing it in like a jazz style and it's incredible like it's astounding so we're just gonna listen to like a minute or so of a few of these the first one we're gonna do is a uh, peanut brittle brigade uh which is their updated version of march so we're gonna check that out
Wow. Yeah, it sounds like a literal, like, I'm actually observing a jazz band tomorrow morning. Um, I felt like I was sitting in jazz. <laughs> I love, yeah, the swing rhythm like that. I mean, it makes it so different. Like, it's very me. different. Yeah. There's yeah, kind of like takes... really cool use of like the woodwinds, which I really like. Um, but it's like every phrase has like a different rhythm, every phrase has different articulations. So it really embodies that like improvisation of jazz that's so like unique mm -hmm. to jazz. It's just like it's so fun. I love it. Yeah, if anything, I feel like it kind of takes away the Christmas feel of it. It feels like a total different piece and like style completely to me. That is interesting. It does kind of feel less Christmassy. So is it like, because we wouldn't, it's like, cause it's not like there's not a ton of Christmas jazz, like there totally is. So like Christmas and jazz can go together, but it's like, what about this would kind of put it maybe in a more neutral space than being heavily coded as Christmas? I don't know. Is it missing bells? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if Emily feels some type of way about the bells, maybe, but. Um, yeah, <laughs> Oh. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I just find it, I find it so fun, so lively, still has a spirit of like celebration and joy, but yeah, maybe isn't mm -hmm. as inherently Christmassy. Hmm. Again, that's another question for the listeners. Y'all need to reach out to us on the Instagram. I know y'all are doing the research. Tell us. <laughs> we want to read it. Yes. Yeah, so let's do one more this one is called Sugar Rim Cherry, which is the dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. Okay, that's much more soothing than the other way. <laughs> that actually is that was satisfying. Better? Yeah, that was much more satisfying to me than the other one that just made me look like. Mm. It's funny because it's like the same notes, but it's like different style. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, okay. So first off, the bongos. What a great choice <laughs> to come in, and it's like the low bongos. You're like, ooh, <laughs> it already transports you, yeah, somewhere else. So again, we're not like in our minds picturing like this grand ballet with all these dancers. We're picturing like, okay, we're sitting in a cool cafe. Someone's like, you know, doing a spoken word on stage. I've got my mug of coffee. There's a fireplace. I'm wearing a beret, right? Like transports you to that space <laughs> versus, yeah. oh, we're sitting in a concert hall and I'm watching like a grand ballet. So it already, from the, the choice of, of using the bongos and coming in all, all low, again, like the original also comes in low with the pizzicato, but again, it invokes that kind of dance-like feeling. Whereas this kind of maybe invokes like a relaxed you said the word soothing that's such an evocative word I'm like yeah so it it 
promotes this kind of like we're just chilling we're listening to some to some smooth hip jazz like you know it doesn't inspire movement in the same way but maybe inspires stillness ease you know things like that Mm -hmm. yeah that one I'll accept (laughs) that one's okay (laughs) that version I will accept yes it's great it's so awesome and slinky and I I love again all these all these woodwinds and and brass instruments are just like expertly crafted the ways in which they're rising and falling it's like it's intoxicating I love it I love it great okay so this next one is specific to Emily now I was thinking about this as I was watching this video earlier today I was like how have we never talked about this musician on the show She's never come up on the show. We need to have a little conversation about Lindsay Sterling. So Emily, yeah. how do you, how do you, right? We've never talked about Lindsay Sterling. How do you feel about Lindsay Sterling? I saw her perform once. <laughs> oh, great. Was it amazing? Uh, was that four years ago? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was almost crying in the, I was crying in the audience because I was so excited <laughs> to see her in person. I was like way up at the top. Like she would never know I was there, but still, <laughs> Yeah, it was, oh gosh, it was so amazing. See, and there are so many people that like critique her saying that her violin skills aren't like good enough for her to be famous and all this stuff. But what she's doing is so different than just like a classical musician, like on stage, like in an orchestra or an ensemble like that. It's a whole different performance. And I personally didn't like it. I listened to her a lot growing up. I think it was like no, actually, it was like a few months after I started playing, my teacher told me about her and I looked her up and I just, I like wanted to play her music and I just thought it was so cool. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right that what she does is so inventive, like she does so many like updated versions of classical pieces and, you know, has the percussion and the dubstep, like it's very unique and, you know, I can't speak to her like technical abilities as someone who's not really a strings player anymore, but like, I mean, to me, it's really fascinating. I think she has really beautiful videos <laughs> so I yeah. bet seeing her live would be really really astounding like I think I think she's really talented at what she does but then you know listeners might come at us and be like well you're just not a trained violin and blah, blah, blah. well Emily is and she gave her the okay <laughs> so don't email us <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's listen to a little bit of her because she did uh, the Sugar Plum Fairy uh, a couple years ago, I believe. I feel like I might have seen that one. Oh, okay. Okay. No, yeah, I'm stupid. Really... Oh, wait. We saw we were, we saw the concert in December. It was a Christmas themed concert. So that was the one I saw in person. Ooh, okay. okay. So Emily's, already, Emily's already familiar. Perfect. We've got to listen. She has such great videos. I'm like, we have to watch the video. Like, not only do we have to listen to it, but I'm. Yeah. I'm going to make Emily watch the first minute of it because it's just so, it's shocking. <laughs>
I wonder how much that violin costs. That would Truly. be awesome. Oh my gosh. With all the like yeah. diamonds and like, gosh. Yeah, okay. we need to get, we need to get, uh, okay, listeners, we're starting the GoFundMe. We're going to get Emily an electric <laughs> violin. This is necessary. I, I have one actually. <laughs> it's, it's red. Yeah. Are you saying, okay, so Emily just said with her mouth that she's on her way to being the next Lindsay Sterling. I am astounded. I stopped gymnastics like four years ago, so (laughs) probably wouldn't be very good. (laughs) But like, woo, oh my gosh. So like the video is really stunning. She's like going back and forth between being like an ice queen, like an Elsa to like being all pink with roses and it's like she looks incredible the song is so cool like a really cool updated i love how she does the uh it's like oh she just has all these fun updates there's a great beat under it it's like what's there not to like i love it yeah exactly yeah the harmonics too whenever you play them right now i'm playing the uh, mendelssohn violin concerto the third movement and there are harmonics everywhere. And we were just talking about that with my other friends. Like when you play them, even listen to them, like it just feels so like invigorating and so powerful. So that was a really nice touch for her to put that like in this piece. See, she's making me like it now. This version of the piece. <laughs> Cause that's true. This, this, because of the beat, it is very removed from like, oh, it's kind of creepy or like, oh, it's kind of, so see, we've had like these wildly different versions as far as like you know the original uh with the pizzicato strings we have the bongos with the duke ellington we have that kind of vibe and now we have like a completely it's sending us to a completely different realm and it's fascinating i love it Ooh. good stuff okay i've i've really brought emily on a whole journey this is the last <laughs> one i promise <laughs> But I just, again, I I just kept coming across more and more. YouTube was like, oh, Lydia's on a journey. We're just going to keep suggesting her things. I'm not joking. I was listening to this stuff for hours this afternoon. I was just like, wow, I didn't know about all these different um, And, of course, I feel like we have to end with the queen of Christmas, Miss Mariah Carey herself. And I did not know that last year in 2020, she released this, which is like an, she did this, um, not acapella, but like a, a, she did her own updated version of the Sugar Plum Fairy theme. And it is, it is astounding. It is magnetic. (laughs) I was shook. So it's only like a minute long and I'm just, the listeners need to know that I was in the library having a moment. (laughs) 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 Trying to control myself. tone like it's so good because she comes up with like the 
huh? and you're like, oh, okay, you just think this is just going to be like a normal thing. And the bells come in like normal and do the dun, 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 dun. and then she counters the bells with her voice in the same. I, I was like, I don't. Her, her voice truly is, she plays it like an instrument. Like, I don't even understand. It was That's so true. high. And then she did the harmony, the, ah, ah. I mean, I can't do it, but I. <laughs> yeah, geez. So good. Isn't that crazy? That is, it's really impressive and it's really cool. It still gives like the old vibe of the piece. <laughs> so you might appreciate that more than I do, but yeah. I, huh. I just heard that and my jaw dropped and I was like, what? Yeah, I've never heard that before. Literally, yeah. Uh -huh. It came out uh, this past December in, 20, uh, in 2020. So I was just like shook that, I mean, after all these years, she's been the reigning whistle tone queen literally <laughs> since the 90s. It's been 20 years of Mariah and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's going to do it for this final episode of our third season of The Theory Club. We did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> so thank you all so much for listening. Um, thank you to all of our amazing guests that we've had on this season. We had so much fun, you know, talking to all of them, hearing their perspectives, hearing about their work and their research. And we just have so much fun doing the show. And I'm so glad that I got to finish it out with Emily. I'm sure the yeah. listeners were bursting. Like, where is she about to? I, I made it out alive. So far, I've made it out alive. So. Yes. <laughs> so stay <laughs> tuned. Uh, <laughs> we'll let you know what our GPAs are at the end of the semester. Uh, but you know, as of now, we're doing okay. And we really appreciate your support. Uh, so please, if you have any questions, comments, if there's anything that you want us to get to uh, in our off-season, listen to, read, you can send it to us at the theory club podcast at gmail.com and we can talk about getting you on the pod getting your work or music on the pod like let's do it let's collaborate we'd love to hear from you other than that stay tuned again don't unsubscribe listeners stay tuned there might be a bonus episode or two or three you don't know at any moment so uh you gotta you gotta stay subscribed um and uh yeah we hope you have a great or had a great Thanksgiving. Have a great holiday season and we will see you back in the spring. Bye. Bye. Can you hear the dog? Dog is barking. Can you hear him? I just heard like a very faint sound. It's not that bad. Yarny, please. I'm busy. <laughs> That's, oh, okay. I'll try and edit it out of the podcast the best that I can. But I'm sorry, listeners, about the dog. Uh, he just loves, um, he loves the sugar plum fairy so much, and he's really agitated that Emily said. <laughs> That she didn't like it. And Maybe he has something to. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we can go and ask her. <laughs>